From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, August 4th. In a report to the county commission last night, Moab Regional Hospital's CEO says over the last couple weeks, it's been getting harder to find ICU beds for their patients who need them. Statewide and across the border in Colorado, the ICU utilization is up at 100% in most of the hospitals that we transfer to. Jen Sadoff attributes this in part to what she calls normal summertime increases in ICU use, but it's also compounded right now because of COVID-19 patients. Nearby hospitals have taken down their overflow COVID wings And with ongoing staffing shortages and an uptick in Delta variant cases, that's presented a problem for rural communities like Moab. Because of staffing challenges in all of the facilities, standing those COVID overflow wings back up is impossible. In several cases, um, we have had to transfer people as far away as um, St. George in order to find a bed for them. And that's just not an ideal situation. And Sadoff reports seeing more cases of severe disease in unvaccinated people who are, quote, quite a bit younger. So people should be aware of that, that for some reason it's uh, the Delta variant does seem to be hitting younger people harder than than previous variants. New data related to the Delta variant pushed the CDC last week to update their masking recommendations. They now say that in order to protect against the highly transmissible Delta variant, all people, regardless of vaccine status, need to wear a mask in indoor public spaces if they're in an area of substantial or high transmission. That's because the CDC is documenting breakthrough cases with the Delta variant and seeing evidence that vaccinated people who become infected can spread disease. A vaccinated person who's positive with COVID can spread COVID to an unvaccinated person. And so the whole idea that vaccinated people didn't need to wear masks in public places because they were vaccinated and wouldn't be spreading um, COVID has just not um, really panned out. And so at this point, the CDC recommends that people who um, are in a public space, regardless of their vaccination status, in those areas where they define it as a high rate of spread, wear masks. But knowing when to mask in Grand County is, well, not that clear. Under the CDC's metrics, Grand and most of Utah is considered a high transmission area, meaning masking is recommended for everyone indoors in public spaces. However, under Utah's system, Grand County is considered an area of low transmission, Braden Bradford of the Southeast Utah Health Department says that Utah developed their own transmission metrics early in the pandemic, and he says the state's categories of high, medium, and low are much more liberally defined than the CDC's. I've, I've kind of pushed the message that while there is some value in, in knowing, you know, for high, medium, or low, really because there's so much of a difference between the CDC's and ours, it, it, it's more of a Where are we relative to last week or last month? And right now, Grand County is in a situation where nearby ICU beds are full and the seven-day rolling average for people testing positive for COVID-19 is at 15%. So that means 15% of the people presenting with any of the 10 symptoms of COVID are um, positive with COVID. That's usually 
you know, we're, we're seeing a handful of positive people each day. Um, one, two, three a day. While attempting to parse out conflicting COVID transmission metrics, Grand County's commissioners updated masking requirements for their own government facilities. Masks become requirements for all individuals when Grand County reaches high levels of transmission under Utah's metric. During last night's meeting, Grand's leaders encouraged community members to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Just over 60% of Grand's eligible population is fully vaccinated at the moment. While those numbers are encouraging, Bradford says there's still, quote, a significant portion of the population who could be vaccinated. Vaccines are locally available at City Market, the Health Department, and Moab Regional Hospital. Bradford and Sadoff encourage people who are still unvaccinated to speak with their trusted physicians about it. 100% of our healthcare providers, our our physicians, have chosen to get vaccinated at Moab Regional. So if, if your doctor is a good guide for you, follow in their footsteps. Seven years ago, a pulse of water on the Colorado River at the U.S.-Mexico border temporarily reconnected it to the Pacific Ocean. Scientists used the so-called pulse flow to study what plant and animal life returned to the desiccated delta along with water. Armed with that knowledge, and even during persistent drought, they are trying a new and more targeted strategy this year. KUNC's Luke Runyon has more. It's just after sunrise in the Colorado River's dry estuary in Mexico, and Tomas Rivas is hunched over, using his fingers to comb through small bits of wood. What are you looking for, Tomas? Uh, Jumping spider. Jumping spider? Yeah. Rivas is an ecologist with the conservation group the Sonoran Institute, and we're at the place where the river and the ocean used to meet and mix. The exposed salt flats are home to jumping spiders, tiny turquoise fiddler crabs, and hardy species of salt grass. The day we visited, it reached 120 degrees with a cloudless sky. These are harsh conditions here. Rivas says this part of the delta used to be home to a tidal bore, a wave that forms as the incoming tide rushes against the freshwater river. In Spanish, here we, the people locally call Uh, burro, el burro, for the tidal bore. It even had a sound, he says, of crashing, rumbling water. The people say, ahí viene el burro. Uh, It's like uh, the donkey's coming, no? (laughs) Because the Colorado River is so overused in the U.S., the burro hasn't charged in the delta in decades. Rivas's group is working to bring water back into this part of the estuary and study it. It won't fully revive the tidal bore, but it will be enough to help restore riverine habitat. For Mexico, living uh, with a dead river has been, um, I'll say, sort of a wound. Jennifer Pitt runs the Colorado River program for the National Audubon Society. We're upstream of the estuary, next to an irrigation canal, where water diverted near the U.S.-Mexico border makes a hard left turn back into the river's channel. And... This is a little bit of repair. 
For a few months this spring and summer, portions of the Colorado River Delta are flowing again. But unlike 2014's pulse flow, this release of water is targeted to restoration sites. And we're using the irrigation canals to bypass the dry reach and drop the water into the river at the point where the scientists tell us it will do the most good. The Colorado River is grabbing national headlines as water shortages take hold. Hot and dry conditions are coming home to roost in its reservoirs, dropping the two biggest to record lows. Even in a dry year like this one, Pitt says both the U.S. and Mexico have agreed to set aside water just for the environment. And if we don't figure out at this moment how to support the river itself and all of nature that it supports, I fear that we lose them permanently. Not everyone agrees. Some skeptical city leaders and farmers in Mexico say any unused water is wasted. I am kayaking on the Colorado River in its delta in Mexico. There's dragonflies that are sort of skipping across the water. You see birds up in the trees. There's a beaver dam just upstream of here. This is 1% of the water that's coming from the U.S., and it, it's building so much into the ecosystem. That's Rocio Torres. She runs the Sonoran Institute's Colorado River Delta Restoration. For me, that means, and for our team, that there's hope, right? Torres says these targeted flows are less flashy and harder to explain than the pulse flow. That event galvanized communities in the region, she says, and it built a base of support from water officials in both countries who agreed to set aside a small amount of water, not for human use. I think that's the way human beings, uh, we learn, we mess things up. We realize that we shouldn't have done that. And she says, bringing it back happens little by little. I'm Luke Runyon in Sonora, Mexico. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KUNC with support from the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, August 4th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.